God, we thank you for that promise that you will be faithful to us. God, we thank you that your mercies are new every morning and great is your faithfulness. God, we thank you that we can claim those promises in your word, that they're as true today as they ever were. God, thank you for always being faithful to us. Thank you for loving us. Thank you for reaching down to pull us up. Thank you for sending your most precious son to die in our place. God, thank you that you see down through time everything that we will ever need and you go there before us and provide it for us. God, help us to just understand how faithful you are. Help us to get a small glimpse of what it is that you do for us, the way that you do go before us, the way that you are behind us, the way that you walk beside us, the way that you provide for us in extraordinary, extravagant ways. God, we thank you for your love this morning. In Jesus' precious name, amen. Good morning. Welcome to church. Take a quick look around you. Appreciate that there are people here in the building. Welcome to those online. Very special welcome to you. We're so glad that you're joining us this morning. And whether you're online, whether you're in a home hub, and uh, yeah, whether you're in church here with us, um, thank you for joining with us this morning. Um, Hopefully I'm looking at the right camera. I think I am. Uh, Anyway, uh, while I'm talking to you, I'd love if you could be checking into one of the services. So if you're online, please check into the online service using your church centre app. Um, If you're in a home hub, you can check in using the church centre app and make sure that you just select the right service. If you're in the building here, even though you QR coded on the way in, uh, we would love you also to take your devices out right now and check into the in-person service. That would really help us to know who is joining with us. Um, Great news today, Kids is back, so there will be a banner that goes up at the appropriate time so the kids can go out and see Pastor Steve. He is extremely excited out there to be uh, leading the kids' ministry in person again. Um, There's lots of news in your newsletter this week, so make sure uh, that you read it thoroughly. Some of the things couldn't even make it into the paper copy. We had so many things. So your online ones have all the information Um, So make sure you read through that. We have a members meeting coming up on the 23rd of November at 7pm. So we used to do them on a Sunday morning, but now we're going to be having a team meeting and members meeting on that. I think it's a Tuesday night, the 23rd of November at 7pm. So it will be a little hybrid. So there'll be people in the room uh, and also people able to join online as well. So pop that in your diary while you've got your devices out checking into the services like we just discussed, um, you can be popping that in your diary. Summer camp is happening in 2022, so that is exciting. So 17th to the 20th, so again, while your device is out, pop that in, um, in your diary, and it's for people in years 6 to 12 in 2022. So if you need more information about that, see one of our fabulous youth leading team or Brock, um, and they will get you up to up to speed on that. So some of us who aren't quite in the right age group to go on youth camp, which I think is like, it's excluding me. Um, 
No, I can come. Brock says I can come. That's cool. Um, anyway, we might like to participate in the way of making donations so that we can sort of sponsor or partly sponsor somebody who maybe wouldn't be able to go because of financial reasons. So if you want to make a donation, you can do that, but make sure it's clearly marked um, if you're doing it in an online kind of way. Make sure it's marked for youth camp um, sponsorship. That would probably work. Uh, lots more, as I said, in your newsletter this week, so make sure you check that out. There is a bike ride happening in two weeks' time, which will be the first of the season, so we're excited about that. Loads more things, you know, coming back um, in our calendar that we haven't been able to do for a while, so make sure you check out all of those things. Um, and just a random thought, which is probably a God thought from last week, the one I didn't get to yet. So somebody asked me during the week, oh, I'd love to know what that second thing was that you were going to say, and... Here we are. Um, so Pastor Brad is talking about our values again today. Um, so it's, it's a revalue. Um, so just going over our values again. But one of our values is pursuing Jesus. Uh, what is it? Truth seekers, pursuing Jesus wherever he takes us. See, I know them so well. Um, anyway, I was just thinking last week um, that one of, one of my favourite speakers talks about when he was at university and as a university student he didn't have a lot else to do. So um, he really focused on the Bible and he said that him and a group of friends, um, they soaked themselves in the Word of God until the face of God appeared. And I just love that. Um, yeah, just to be able to just immerse yourself in, in the Word of God until the face of God appears, just until you know him, until you know his character. Um, and that is one of our values, is that we are truth seekers and that we can only be seeking the truth if we know what the Bible says is the truth. So I just think that's a beautiful picture. I think it's delicious. To me, it's delicious to be able to have kind of that amount of time that you can just soak in the Word of God uh, and get to know his character. So hopefully that is an encouragement to you. I I, um, I really enjoy being able to do that a little bit more in this season of my life because I'm, I'm old <laughs> and my, my kids are not little anymore. So we do spend more time. It's just fabulous to, to get to know the character of God through his word. Um, so I encourage you with that. Let, let's stand and we'll pray together. Uh, we have lots of needs as always. Um, as, as the church is regrouping in person, um, uh, we have some we have some issues there. Like it, it's not easy for everyone. Let's let's be honest, and uh, we just need to really be the family of God um, in any way that we can. So I asked our pastoral care team during the week to re like do a virtual scan of the room from where they were. Like who normally sits around you. Um, who's missing? Who haven't you seen for a while? Just, you know, in your mind during the week, just sort of scan the room, um, especially that little area where you would normally sit. You know who's around you. You know who you haven't seen. You know who's missing. And just send them a quick message. Hey, I was just thinking about you. You know, we can all be doing that. It's not just the pastoral care team that needs to do that. It's, it's everyone. We're, we're family. Um, and I heard uh, church described... Um, a couple of weeks ago as fictive kinship groups and I've never heard the word fictive before um, and I thought even is that even a word it turns out it, it is um, but anyway it's it's kinship groups so family groups where we're obviously not 
family. Like We weren't all born in the same family, but we've been brought together into these fictive kinship groups. And if we're family, we love one another and we reach out to one another. We care for one another um, in ways like you never stop being family. So... Let's, let's be doing that in coming weeks as we, as we do start to gather in person again. But like people are gathering online and that, that works too and we're having home hubs and that's, that's a fabulous way uh, to do that where you're watching the service online but you're watching it as a group. Um, so let's continue to do that in coming weeks as we draw back to get together. Um, let's pray together and... Um, God, we thank you. We thank you that you are our Father and that uh, we are your family. God, we thank you that that as we gather together in in whatever way uh, we choose, God, that that we are still family. Whether we're here, whether we're in the Philippines, where whether we are any anywhere in in the country or wherever we are, it doesn't matter. We are still your family. God, I pray that you continue to give us a heart for one another, for um, caring for one another, for loving one another, for, um, for minding when one of us is hurting. God, we pray for our Philippines family uh, that we have been um, dealing with this week. Um, just we thank you for them. God, we thank you uh, that they can call on us for help that they are our family too. God, we thank you for the way that you gift us and equip us as Sail Baptist Church with everything that we have so that we can uh, be helping those around us in practical ways, in all sorts of ways, in emotional ways, in ways that we support one another. God, we just thank you for that. We thank you for um, just the strength that we have in being your family together and for the way that we can um, operate out of that to bless those around us. God, we thank you for the week that has been. We thank you for answers to prayer. We thank you for ways that you have been leading us and guiding us. And God, we thank you for the week that is to come. God, we thank you that you go ahead of us, that there are prayers that we haven't even prayed yet, that you're ready to answer already. God, we thank you that you are that God. You are the God that goes before us. You are the God that is so faithful to us. And you are the God that loves us so much. God, we thank you for that in Jesus' precious name. Amen. God, we give you praise this morning. God, we thank you that we can trust in you. God, we thank you that you have conquered death, that you live, God. And because you live, we live. Because you live, we have hope, we have a future, we have life, we have peace. We have everything we need to face today and to face tomorrow and the days to come. And God, I pray in this uncertain season that we find ourselves in, God, that we would remember that you live and that you hold the future. You don't just hold tomorrow, but you hold eternity in your hand. And God, we can trust you. We can trust you every moment, every day. God, help us to lift our eyes again this morning to see your goodness, to see your grace, to see the love that you have for us. And God, we thank you. We love you. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Well, please grab a seat. Good morning to those online, those in the home hubs this morning. Great to have you with us. Of course, those in the building, it's great to have you with us as well. And great that SBC Kids is back on in person this morning. I'm sure the parents are happy about that as well. 
That's a good time. Uh, it's been a while since I've met in person, so um, let's be praying for our, our kids' ministry this morning. If I'm boring you and you find yourself closing your eyes, just turn it into a prayer time for our kids' ministry. I would um, be happy about that. Um, and for those at home, um, I know Steve and the team are working on a, a hybrid SBC Kids model as well, so that hopefully next week there'll be a a group that will zoom in at the same time. So even if you are at home and you've got kids and you're not and you're joining in, on, a, on a home hub or online, um, you'll be able to get your kids, providing you've got another device um, hooked into the SBC Kids. Hopefully, if they can figure that out, I'm sure they can. They're very smart, very smart people. All right, as um, Pastor Jackie said this morning, we are going over our values, and I've called this revalue. Um, sometimes you might get your house revalued because it changes, and we're not doing a revalue because our values have changed, but rather because um, even as Jackie tried to roll one off the tongue this morning, it just wasn't quite there, and so I think it's probably uh, a good time for us all to, um, and she knows it very well, so just just modelling why we need them, um, I'll set that up for her. Um, you know, especially as... Uh, as we enter this new season, as we begin to gather in different ways um, around, uh, we launched our values at the start of the year, and that seems, I don't know about you, but it, it does seem like a long, long time ago that we were in the building uh, in greater numbers and talking and launching our values. Um, and so if you don't know our values, and this is going to be great, or maybe you think, oh, I remember something about a value, um, and this is also great for you. Um, our first value is, if you know it, type it in the chat before I s- say it out loud. Maybe if you're in the room, you can shout it out. Home for all, there is room for you. Home for all, there is room for you. There is a seat at the table just as you are. We all need a saviour and redemption. Just turn to the person next to you and say, you need a saviour. I need a saviour. We all need a saviour and redemption, a church for the unchurched. You know, we're all in a sinking ship going down together and it's only because we have Jesus uh, that we have any hope in life. Um, in Luke 5, verses 1 to 2, it says this, is one of, some of my favourite verses, all the tax collectors and sinners were approaching to listen to him, him being Jesus, and the Pharisees and the scribes were complaining. The Pharisees and the scribes were complaining. This man welcomes sinners and eats with them. What a complaint to make. What a complaint to make. Lord God, we thank you for your word this morning and we thank you for all that you speak to us, all that you speak to it, um, all that you speak to us about through your word, God. And uh, we just pray this morning that you might speak to us again. You might remind us of the truth in your word and it might change our, our lives and our hearts. In Jesus' name, amen. Um, I don't know what your house is like over this, over this year, actually, we've been renovating our house and, um, and part of the renovation um, is a, a new sort of front entrance and so um, we've always had a, not a debate, but Alana and I have always talked about whether we should have a front fence or not uh, at our property and, 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 and our property is quite deep at the front, it's got like a, a nature strip that's about, I think it's about uh, 10 metres deep before you reach the footpath and then there's another bit so it's like a, a very it feels like you're a long way from the road which is great it feels very safe but there was no front fence or anything it was just like all grass right up and then there's another sort of seven or eight meters until the house and so it was a long way um, and so it was just a big 
bit of grass. And I love grass, so I didn't have a problem with just having a nice manicured lawn from the, from the house to the street, but it, it sort of needed something to break it up. And, and I've always been opposed to front fences, and if you've got a front fence, not much judgment coming from here, um, just a little bit. No, there's no judgment. And I just, I mean, I've never liked them because they just feel like you're, you're trying to keep people out, and I've always liked a, a house where you're uh, welcoming and have people come in. Um, and, and we sort of live with our, and I've said this before, we live with our front door open on a nice day like yesterday, although not yesterday because we're in Lakes Entrance. I didn't leave the front door open while we weren't home. Um, but if we're home, normally, the, and it's a nice day, normally the front door is just wide open. And, um, and that sort of, it, it, it's good and it's bad because it just means people do sometimes, especially people around this height in the street, just make their way down to our house and come on in and, and help themselves to toys and food and whatever they can else they can find our kids um, and it's a, it's a great time and, and I just I think that's the the picture I'd love us to, to think about when we think of this home for all that the door is wide open that it's easy to find your way in to to meet with God to understand who he is it's easy to find your way in to meet people to find connection to find meaning and to find hope Home for all, there is room for you. But as we talk about that idea of home for all, there is room for you, there's also this idea of a high commitment. And um, I've likened it to the, to the Arts Spire in Melbourne. There's a, a, a building in Melbourne. don't know if we've got it on the screen or not. Maybe at home you can see that. It's a, a building where it's really low on the sides and then it goes really high in the middle. There you go. It's beautiful at night. And I think that's the idea of this home for all, that it's easy in, high commitment. There's... This is for everyone, easy entry, high commitment. And this is what Jesus did, right? He was gracious to all. He ate with sinners. He was accused of being too friendly with those of, that, were, that were sinners and tax collectors. But then at the same time, he would call people to lay their life down, leave their mother and father, leave their jobs. And so there was this idea of that he was a magnet to those, uh, anyone who saw him. But then he would call them to this super high commitment. And I'd love for our church to embody that sort of value. Home for all, there's room for you. If there's room for me, there's room for you. Um, I, I love this quote by um, Timothy Keller, who's a, a great, uh, I think he's a Presbyterian pastor in the States, and he says this, To be loved but not known is comforting but superficial. To be known and not loved is our greatest fear. But to be fully known and truly loved, well, a lot like being loved by God. It's what we need more than anything. To be known and to be loved. To be known and to be loved. There is room for you. And Jesus was this friend of sinners. He was accused of being a drunk, of welcoming sinners and eating with them. Jesus, he never denied these accusations, but he wasn't a drunk. But he was living in such a way that the religious elite thought, no, it's too much compromise. He's spending too much time with these sorts of people. Matthew 11, verses 18 to 19, it says, For John didn't spend his time eating and, his, John didn't spend his time eating and drinking, and you say he's possessed by a demon. And the Son of Man, on the other hand, feasts and drinks, and you say he's a glutton and a drunkard, and a friend of tax collectors and other sinners. But wisdom is shown to be right by its results. I think that key, that phrase at the end, but... Wisdom is shown right by its results is key here. That there is a, a way that you can be a, 
a friend of sinners in a way that is not beneficial to them, that is not beneficial, it's not calling them to anything greater, it's not showing them the gospel, uh, it's not helping them in their journey with Jesus. But Jesus was a friend of sinners in a way that was shown by its results, it was shown by its fruit. Jesus' aim was not just to draw crowds, it wasn't just about getting uh, numbers through the door, and sometimes we can think a value like home for all is just about lowering the standard, just so we can get a bigger crowd. But it's not what it's about. It's about showing people, um, I like this picture of, you know, Jesus talks about the narrow road uh, that leads to eternal life. And he also talks about this idea that he's the gate. And I think this home for all is like showing people where the gate is. It's easy to get onto this road. It's narrow, but you can get onto it. You don't need to climb a fence. You don't need to find the key to unlock the gate. Jesus is the gate. He welcomes you in. But there's a narrow road ahead. You can come in as you are. Jesus takes us all, but he changes us all. Wisdom is shown by its results. A seat at the table for everyone, um, a seat to contribute, a seat to gain encouragement, to have accountability, to serve and to care. And so this value talks about this idea, home for all. Not only is there room for you to come and be loved, but there's room for you to contribute and participate in all that's going on. And especially as we move forward into this next season, for, for a lot of us, it's, it's been hard to contribute. It's been hard to engage. It's been hard to participate. And I want to encourage us all that as we maybe re-engage with church, that a seat at the table means that there's, there's room for us to all contribute. Um, you know, one thing I'll, I'm really looking forward to about as the kids grow older is the ability for them to contribute around the house, things like dishes and, you know, the jobs that I love to do and be... Um, it would be hard to let go of, but I'm looking forward to that moment where they might, and maybe some parents who have older kids are thinking, you'll wish, <laughs> you're, you're dreaming, mate. Um, but anyway, I'm, I'm hopeful, I've got faith, that maybe one day it'll be a, a great moment of, of con- con- contribution to, to the house and to, to what's going on. Um, and I think that idea of God's house is, is the same, isn't it? It's, it's great that we can all come and engage, and there's times where we just need to come and sit and be ministered to, but that's not what we're all called to do. We all have a place to contribute, a place to belong. Home for all, there is room for you. Easy and high commitment. The second value is this. Truth seekers, pursuing Jesus wherever he takes us. God reveals his truth through the Bible and we actively embrace his wisdom on all matters of life. So this speaks to this high commitment, this high calling. Pursuing Jesus wherever he takes us. Um, I've got a verse here, but I don't have the reference. Do you have the reference there, Beck? Luke 6. Thank you. I just wrote down the verses, but I forgot to write where it was from. Luke 6, 46 says this, So why do you keep calling me Lord, Lord, when you don't do what I say? I will show you what it's like when someone comes to me, listens to my teaching, and then follows it. It is like a person building a house who digs deep, and lays foundation on solid rock. And when the floodwaters rise and break against that house, it stands firm because it is well built. But anyone who hears and does not obey is like a person who builds a house on the ground without a foundation. And when the floods um, sweep down against that house, it will collapse into a heap of ruins. Again, going back to this idea of um, renovating a house, I don't know if you've done much building works before, but if you have, and um, if you start from nothing... The first part of the build is really messy. It's really dirty work, especially if there's any sort of rain, if there's any sort of 
um, moisture in the ground. It's just digging up dirt, moving dirt, um, trying to get sand, concrete, and um, different sort of foundations laid. And it's not a pretty job. And if you go to a building site or you go to a new house build or a renovation and they're doing any sort of foundation work, there's just mud everywhere, all around the house, especially at the moment with the amount of rain we've had over the last year. It's just hard to get rid of that mud. It's, I'm still trying to, and, and we've finished for a while now, I'm still trying to sort out some of the areas of the, beside the house where it's just a, a bit muddy and it's just dirt. And, and I think... Building foundations, seeking truth can sometimes be a bit of a dirty job in that sense where it's, it's hard work. It's not always pretty. It's not always the, the, the fruit or the, the beautiful part at the end that you see, but it's that it's working out how, how truth applies to our life and how it applies to us as a church. And, and even over this last um, month or two, with all the um, restrictions, the vaccines, the mandates, there's been that real wrestle of like, God, what does your truth say about this? And what does your Bible say about all these things that we're, we've never had to face before that is thrown onto us as a church? And, and how does our lens of your word guide us in our decision-making? And it hasn't been fun. I tell you what, it's not a fun job working through that. But ultimately, we want to seek God's truth. I mean, we all have different opinions on life and, and um, decisions that are made around different areas of life and um, in culture in families, but we want to be truth seekers. We want to keep going back to God's word and say, well, God, what do you say about this? What does your word say about this? And that's what we're going to hold on to. Our truth seeking is not a job that gets finished. Like a house, you might get your foundation done and then it's like, huh, don't have to worry about that anymore until you have an earthquake or a... But not that we have those, those around here, do we? Um, but it's something that we continue to work at. We continue to work on our foundations. We continue to seek truth through our life. We continue to wrestle with God's word. This value is not about truth-telling, as in the sense that we're going to be right and we're, it's our job to tell everyone that they're wrong, but it's truth-seeking. It's like together, as we're a home for all, as we welcome everybody in, we seek truth together. We all realize that God's word is true and that we need to understand what it says. We want to be strong and secure. When I um, first preached on this value of truth-seeking, I don't know if you were hearing that message, but I had young Tom up here and he was standing on, a, um, on one, one brick and um, I got someone to try to push him over. Uh, and when you're standing on a, on a small foundation, when it's not secure and someone tries to push you, your initial reaction is to sort of push back, is sort of to defend yourself, to fight who's trying to push you because you want to stay standing on what your foundation is. But as your foundation gets stronger and more secure, your, your stance is able to be more firm. Someone pushes against you. You don't have to get as defensive or fight as much. You can listen. You can take on what they say is even if it's unkind or or not um, well presented, you can take it without having to fight back. And I love this idea of truth seekers, pursuing Jesus wherever he takes us, is that we want to be welcoming and, and accommodating for, for people who have different opinions for us, not so that we can move off our foundation onto their foundation, but so that they have a safe place to wrestle with what truth is. So they have a safe place to um, confront what they think is true, and, and we can be a, a listening ear 
and together we can seek God's truth and together we can discover what God says. I think it's important because of this idea that no one's ever argued into God's kingdom. Jesus didn't argue people into his kingdom. He didn't argue people into relationship with him. Instead, he loved people in. It's the kindness of God that leads people to repentance. It's not the, um, the intellect of God. It's not because, and God is as smart as they come. He's smarter than all of us. It wasn't because he was so smart. It's because he was so loving. And I think this is important because truth serves love. Truth serves love. God is love, and in his love, he leads us in truth. But it's important to know that his motivation is love. And for a lot of us, myself included, leading people in truth is motivated out of needing to be right. Comes sometimes from a place of insecurity, of I've got to be right on this because if I'm wrong, then what else am I wrong about? When I need to be right... And when being wrong is a threat to my identity, I'm not living in love but in fear. 1 Timothy 1 verse 5 says, The purpose of my instruction is that all believers would be filled with love that comes from a pure heart, a clear conscience and a genuine faith. Love is important because we are pursuing a God of love. It's his love that drives him to forgive, to redeem us. It's his love for us that draws us close to him. Truth serves love. Jesus was often um, against the Pharisees. And he was often, um, obviously, for his disciples. And I think the difference between the Pharisees and the disciples was their humility. It was their attitude, wasn't it? Pharisees were full of pride. They were, they were people that were, had to be right about everything. This is what it says. This is what we do. This is how it is where the disciples had that sense of, I'm here to learn, I'm here to be taught by your truth, God. I'm willing to be wrong. This idea is the Bible is our compass, Jesus is our leader, Jesus is our leader. Truth seekers pursuing Jesus wherever he takes us. Two down, two to go. Trying to fit four values, which I took four weeks to do in one message. Maybe it's not hard for you, but it's hard for me because I've got lots to say about these things. But third one is this, stop babbling, Brad. Praying people, believing for the impossible. Praying people, believing for the impossible. Prayer causes things to happen that wouldn't happen if we didn't pray. The Spirit of God works through us and speaks to us in a supernatural way. 1 John 5 verses 13 and 15 says this, I have written this to you who believe in the name of the Son of God so that you may know so that you may know you have eternal life. And we are confident that he hears us when we ask for anything that pleases him. And since we know he hears us when we make our requests, we also know that he will give us what we ask for. He will give us what we ask for. I don't know if you ask this question, what if? What if, um, and then you think of all the different things in the future that may or may not happen. What if I didn't do this? What if I did do this? What if I said that to that person? What if I didn't say that? What if I had a different job? What if I had a, maybe you shouldn't think this, what if I had a different family? What if I had a different, what if I lived in a different town? What if I went to a different church? What if, what if, what if? I like to think of that question, what if, as in a different, in a different light, in a more positive light. What if believers really believed? 
What if we prayed first? What if we believed there was power in God, that God was all-powerful, that when we prayed, it moved his heart in a way that changed the things around us? What if we believed that God really hears us? Not only that, but what if we believed he really hears us and then answers our prayers? Kids have this sort of faith. Kids have this sort of faith in their, in their parents. They might ask and they'll repeat, Dad, 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 Dad. And if you're anything like me, it's like, I heard you the first time, but I'm in the middle of doing something, so I'm just not ignoring you. I'm just hoping that maybe you'll get distracted because you get distracted easily and um, you might go somewhere else and let me finish what I'm doing. Um, but often there's a, there's a waiting because um, you might know something that the kid doesn't know. Um, they, don't, they can't see that, Dad, 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 I'm starving, I'm starving, I'm starving, I need to eat, I need to eat. And you know that dinner is literally like three minutes away. And so you're saying, just wait, just wait. You're not going to have a whatever sugar thing that you want right now, just before dinner. Um, just wait five minutes and that, that will be met, that need will be met. I mean, I hear my kids when they speak like this, but my kids might think, well, he's not really listening to me because he's not giving me what I want, what I think I need in this moment. And if, if earthly parents in our sinful nature know how to love our kids in a way that demonstrates that we, we hear them and we answer their needs, how much more our Heavenly Father? There is never a moment when we pray that God doesn't hear us and that God doesn't love us and that God doesn't know what we need. And sometimes in our humanity and in our limited vision of what's coming, we can think that prayer doesn't achieve anything because when we pray... I'm still faced with the same hunger as I was a second ago, but God knows that in a moment, and that moment might be more than three minutes into the future, but in a moment there's going to be something that comes that satisfies the need that we really have. Our prayers matter to him. And we talked about this last week. We talked about this a lot last week, and the idea of being worried about things or praying about things. And for some of us, our default is not prayer, but it is worry. And we're great at worrying. I'm great at worrying. I mean, I don't know what it is that, how I got taught this or how I learnt this. I don't know if they did a class on it in school, but it's just like, if there's something going wrong, like, I'm I'm really good at just being worried about it. And and I don't know about you, if you have a natural spiritual gift of worry, um, but it's easy to do. And sometimes the natural spiritual gift of prayer doesn't come as easy. But it comes easier the more you do it. The more you exercise that prayer muscle, the easier it becomes to pray first, to pray often. Matthew 6, 25 to 27, that is why I tell you not to worry about everyday life. Whether you have enough food or drink or enough clothes to wear, isn't life more than food and your body more than clothing? Look at the birds. They don't plant or harvest or store food in barns. For your heavenly Father feeds them. Aren't you far more valuable to him than they are? Can all your worries add a single moment to your life? And this is in the context of Jesus. If you know Matthew 6, Jesus is talking about prayer in this, in this moment. He's teaching his disciples on how to pray, the Lord's Prayer. And he continues on this vein of, 
Don't worry about things, but seek God's kingdom first. And it's easier said than done. It's easier said than done. For, for me just to say, don't worry, and, and I'm sure you've had someone tell you that before, in a worrying situation where you've been stressed or, or anxious about something, and someone's, don't worry about that. It's like, oh, that's all I needed to hear. Don't worry about that. It's just easy. I just won't worry about it then. It's, it's, it's not as simple as that, is it? Um, but if we don't worry, we need to do something else instead. We can't just not worry, and that's what Jesus gives us. He doesn't, doesn't just say, don't worry. He says, but seek first the kingdom. There's an alternative to your worry. It's not just to be passive and do nothing, but instead it's to pray. Instead it's to turn to God. I don't know about you, but I've never worried myself or any situation into any sort of good result. There is no fruit in worry. Nothing good happens when you worry a lot. And there are some commands of Jesus that seem a little harder than others, and this is one of them. Don't worry. Don't let your heart be troubled, he says. Don't grumble or complain. And some of us need to take these commands as seriously as we do the ones around adultery and murder, because they are life-changing commands. Prayer changes things. I think there's uh, four things around prayer that we could, we could do to, to develop this prayer culture in our church, and I shared on these Um, back at the start of the year, and I just want to refresh us. That is that we pray first, that our first reaction is prayers. I don't know what to do, but I'm going to pray. Or maybe I think I know what to do, but I'm still going to pray. We pray first. We pray with. Often you might um, say to someone, or you might have someone say to you, I'll be praying for you. I'll be praying for you. I'd love us to have a culture where we don't just say, I'll be praying for you, but can we pray right now? Can we pray about that? Let's stop what we're doing. Let's pray. Pray with. That we pray for. We can worry and we can also get annoyed at people at different situations. Again, there's no fruit in grumbling. There's no fruit in worry. But there is fruit in prayer. We can pray for people. We can pray for situations. We can pray for our boss. We can pray for those in authority of us. We can pray for our kids, for our spouse, that family member. Pray for, don't grumble against, pray for. And the fourth one is this, that we pray praise, that we turn our face and our heart towards Jesus and praise him, that we get our mind and focus off things of this world and onto the one that can and does bring miracles, that is the God of the impossible. Praying people, believing for the impossible. And the fourth value that we seek to embody is this, ready as we are, growing as we go. God uses ordinary people to achieve extraordinary things. We are changing to become more like Jesus. Luke 9, verses 1 to 6. If you read Luke 9, then you read Luke 10, and we'll read these two passages together in a moment, but you'll see a a beautiful contrast here. Luke 9, verses 1 to 6. One day Jesus called together his 12 disciples and gave them power and authority to cast out all demons and to heal all diseases. Then he sent them out to tell everyone about the kingdom of God and to heal the sick. Take nothing for your journey, he instructed them. Don't take a walking stick, a traveler's bag, food, money, or even a change of clothes. Wherever you go, stay in the same house until you leave town. And if a town refuses to welcome you, shake its dust from your feet as you leave to show that you have abandoned these people to their fate. So they began their circuit of villages, preaching the good news and healing the sick. 
when we talk about the first three values, we can easily go, yep, yep, yep. We want to be a welcoming, we want to have a really welcoming culture. We want to base everything we do on God's word and we want to be praying people. But this fourth one can sometimes go, well, I don't know if I'm ready to go and make disciples. I don't know if I'm skilled enough, if I'm trained up enough. And this idea of ready as we are, like ready today, right as you sit in your seat, right as you sit at home, wherever you are, that you're ready now, ready as you are. It's like that um, when you, if you play hide and seek and you count and you say, ready or not, here I come. And sometimes you are ready if you play hide and seek, if, if you haven't played hide and seek for a long time and just reminisce. Sometimes you are ready and sometimes you're not and you have that moment of panic if you're not ready. It's like, oh, and you just like hide behind a door or put a blanket over your face or just start running. Um, and I think sometimes we, we think like that, like, I'm just not ready yet. Just another 10 seconds, another 10 days, another 10 years or whatever it is that we have in our mind. It's like, one day I'm going to be really good at sharing my faith. One day I'm going to be really good at serving and of using my gifts and of being who God's called me to be one day. But I've just got to, I mean, there's a lot of things I need to do first. There's a lot of stuff in life I need to get sorted out. I mean, there's just a lot going on, especially, I mean, we're in a pandemic, Brad. There's just, just one day, I'm not ready yet. Ready as we are. This value embodies the mission that we are on. Matthew 28, you know, all authority in heaven and earth has been given to me, therefore go and make disciples of all nations. It's like the great commission, the, the thing that we are called to do, the thing that is like our mandate from Jesus himself of why we are here on earth and not already just zapped up into heaven as soon as we are saved is that there is a mission field that we are a part of. There is a reason we're here and it is to go and make disciples. And Jesus helps the disciples by giving them power and authority and that's echoed in Matthew 28, but even here, it says in verse 1 of Luke 9, one day he called his disciples together and gave them power and authority. Without the power and authority of Jesus, we have no hope of, of doing what he's called us to do. Nothing we can do can see this mission and vision fulfilled. And I think that's probably our first hurdle when it comes to going and making disciples, is that we think it rests in our power, in our ability, that somehow we've got to be super good at apologetics and unpacking God's word and um, explaining the gospel. But it's Jesus' power and authority. You know, there's a, a story in, in the gospels where Jesus heals a, a blind man and the blind man gets questioned by the Pharisees and the religious leaders and who did this to you and how did it happen and, and where were you and, and all these things. And the, the man who's just had this miracle of like being blind and now he can see and that's all he says. He says, I don't know. All I know was I was blind, but now I can see. And another question he asked to the, the Pharisees and the religious leaders, is he says to them, do you want to be a follower of his too? It's like this man who's never met Jesus before has just had this encounter with Jesus and literally minutes later, he's giving them a gospel invitation. Do you want to be a follower too? Oh, this is all I know. I, I was blind, but now I see. Do you want to follow him too? And it's as simple, I think, as that, is that we are ready as we are. We are ready as we are. Luke 9, 
Jesus sends his 12 disciples out. And we can think, well, they were the 12 disciples. They were trained by Jesus. They were, I mean, they were known. They were famous. You know, we know their names. Luke 10, the same thing happens, but this time he sends out 72. And he basically gives them the same command. Go to villages, preach the gospel, heal the sick, shake the dust from your feet, don't take anything for your journey. You're ready as you are. Go as you are. And I think that's this, um, the way Luke puts this together is no accident. And for me, this highlights that it's not just about the names that are known, the people that have maybe a profile, maybe someone who's a pastor, but it's for everyone, the people who, who we might think, well, their names aren't recorded. We don't know who they were or what their background was. But Jesus sends them all the same. And we are all sent all the same. Whether we are known, whether we have any sort of position or not, we are ready as we are. Don't get prepared. Don't take anything for the journey. You're ready as you are. And as you go, you will grow. As you go, you will grow. I remember first starting out in a ministry position when I was 19 years old. I look back and think I had no idea what I was doing. And in some respects, I still have no idea what I'm doing, and that might scare you. But I had no idea what it meant or what I was doing. But by God's grace, as I stepped out in ministry and as I stepped out to do what God was calling me to do, I began to grow. And if I didn't step out, if I didn't do um, the ministry that I felt God was calling me to do and just said, well, you know, I'm just going to sit back and wait till I feel like I'm ready, I probably would never have done anything. I probably never would have served God in the way I have. And that's not to say that you need to become a pastor, but it's just to say that if God calls you to do something and we're all called to make disciples... Let's just step out and begin trying. Let's begin doing it. Grow as we go. I don't know about you, but I want to grow in my walk with Jesus. I don't want to just stay where I am. And as we engage in the mission that God has for us, we'll, be, we'll see a miracle, not only in the work that God does through us, but we'll see a, work that, a miracle in the way God does a work in us. This is what he did with his disciples. Acts 4, verse 13. The members of the council were amazed when they saw the boldness of Peter and John. For they could see that they were ordinary men with no special training in the Scriptures. They also recognized them as men who had been with Jesus. Here were Peter and John preaching the gospel in a way and they were thinking, whoa, who are these people? Like, they don't have any special training. In the original Greek, you could look it up Literally, it says they were idiots. They were unschooled, um, ungrammatos idioses. I think it's the actual Greek. You look it up. It's, you know, basically they were illiterate and idiotic. They were ordinary people. And you might think, wow, you just explained me, Brad. It's like, there you are. There I am in the scriptures. Ordinary people. But God uses in an extraordinary way. Ordinary people, extraordinary mission. No special training, just a real walk with Jesus. They recognized them as men who had been with Jesus. Been with Jesus. And so I don't know about you, but I'd love for our church to embody these values. And I imagine that as we continue to think about what we value and as we put it into practice, because our values, what we value, 
drives our decisions. It drives our behaviours. You think about that in your own life. Whatever it is that you value most will, do, will drive all your decisions. If you value um, maybe your family the most, it will drive your decisions to spend time with them. If you value your health mo- most, you might be driven to eat healthy and work out. If you uh, value money and being rich, you will be driven to work as much as you can. Whatever we value most drives our life. It drives our decision-making. And so as a church, as we embody these values, it's going to drive our decisions. And when I say the church, I don't mean just the, the leaders and just me. I'm talking about the people that are sitting around you, the people that are in the lounge room with you right now. The church is us, the people. As we together embody these values, it will drive our decision-making. It will propel us into the plans and the purposes God has for us. And so I want to maybe challenge you this morning. Which one of these four values do you need to embody better? Which one, as I was talking about, you'll be thinking, oh, geez, I don't do that very well. Or we don't do that very well as a church. And maybe we don't do that well as a church is code for I don't see that much in my life. Which one can you say, this week, I'm going to proactively do something to embody this value? whether it's praying, seeking God's truth, welcoming in, or going out. What is it that you can do this week to embody one of these values? Because if we all did that together just for this week, the change it would bring to the people around us would be phenomenal. Let me pray as we close this morning's service. Lord God, we give you so much praise and thanks for your goodness towards us. We thank you that you love us. We thank you that you have called us by name and that you love us as we are. God, we thank you that you welcome us as sinners. When we had nothing going for us, when we were dead in our sin, you made us alive in Christ. And God, we pray that we would be a church and a people that welcomes people in just as they are. And God, we thank you that you've given us your word. And God, we pray that it would be our compass, our guide, that we would seek the truth that you've given us and that it will change the way we live. God, we, try, we pray that you would spur us on to pray more, to pray first, to pray with, pray for, and to pray praise. God, that we would have a prayer culture. And God, we pray that you would give us boldness and courage to step out as we are that you would remind us that you've given us your power and authority. You've given us all we need to accomplish the purpose that you've given us. And God, we just thank you that you, you desire all people to know you, all people to come into a relationship with you. And God, we pray that that would drive us. God, we thank you for your love for us. And we thank you for, for this church. We pray that you would continue to lead us, continue to guide us in your truth. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, I want to thank you so much for joining us this morning, whether you're here or whether you're in a home hub or online. It's been great to have you, and uh, we'll see you next Sunday. Have a great week.